Welcome back, Juventini, to the second part of the podcast with Farouk. I hope you enjoyed the first one and uh, were able to possibly leave some comments, feedback, criticisms, and uh, I honestly though, hope that you enjoyed it. And now the second part is going to be released. And uh, we kind of get into a whole bunch of different topics, the state of the club. We have a casual debate on Ronaldo, whether the transfer was worth it or not. And then we kind of uh, touch on some personal stories about the uh, the meetup group that is uh, associated with San Francisco, as well as a kind of uh, moment where we discuss the uh, the brilliant work of the Last Dance documentary and how we would like to uh, potentially have some moments of in, in UV history that uh, we would be able to recreate and. Uh, I think it was pretty interesting to hear. But uh, I, again, thank you for all the support. And I hope you sub- like, subscribe. And uh, yeah, if anyone wants to be uh, joining on the next podcast, please uh, send me a DM on any of the platforms I've mentioned. But uh, yeah, I would really appreciate it. Thank you for all the support again. And uh, I hope you enjoy the second part. Wrong point when I step in Signs in the air for the gang that you're repping Don't get brave when I'm stepping in the rave If you show my love, everything's okay So if you're alive, you're brave to have fun in If there ain't girls in the place, we ain't coming Middle finger up to the Jake Stepping in with the gang Please tell the police they can't come in Show me a salute, that's gang Pure love for the crew, that's gang Don't chat shit if you ain't gonna bang Just show man a sign if you're down for the gang Show me a salute, that's gang Pure love for the crew, that's gang Don't chat shit if you ain't gonna bang Just show man a sign if you're down for the gang Yeah, how do you feel in the direction of the club? I know it's kind of a big question to yeah. ask, and I know it's uh, it's just a podcast, but like, kind of, what are your thoughts yeah. on uh, on the club's direction? Yeah, I mean, I generally I feel positive about it, and um, I can definitely see both sides to the argument. Um, but what I tend to focus on is the following: one that growing after you reach a certain point is hard. You know, we got to the point where we're reaching finals um, of the Champions League and winning Scudetti year after year. And it's hard to take the next step from that because the competition is hard um, and it it is exponentially harder um, the the further you go up. Um, So from a sporting point of view, you know, there's this roadblock that you hit and uh, we have to figure out a way to cross that. I think our answer has been that we will go and expand our commercial revenue. Um, I'm not sure if we've done as good of a job as we could in exploiting that. You know, we're no Manchester United by any means. And and the other question is, do we want to be a Manchester United, right? Like, do we even want to right. be kind of a club who's a this big global brand? But um, 
I don't know if there's a lot of soul in that brand, you know. Um, and I think the ideal combination for Juve would be to be a global brand, but also something that is authentic and um, something that um, fans who've been fans for 20, 30s, 40, 50, 60 years can also relate to. Um, and um, sort of, you know, preserving the history and being proud of the history while taking the step in the direction of the future. Um, so I think from a marketing standpoint, that's the direction that we need to head into. I don't mind growing commercial revenue. I think the idea uh, makes sense. I think the growth has been slow. And, um, you know, Ronaldo's time at um, UV is limited. It's kind of hard to say what's going to happen after he's gone in terms of our commercial revenue growth, if we would, you know, be at a point where it could keep increasing from there on or whether it was stagnate at that point. Um, so those are some concerns that, you know, that are there. Um, I also don't know if we've done a great job. Like, this is kind of based on what little things I've seen here and there. Like, our social media team sometimes doesn't come across as the sharpest um our right exactly <laughs> uh, yeah i mean i'm sure they're doing their job and you know they're doing what they're told but at the same time maybe we're not giving them the direction that they need that's also possible um and then also our like juventus tv as another other example right like the content is pretty lackluster for the most part yeah. Um, compared to what other clubs are doing. So it seems like even though we're big on marketing and we want to be this, be, be this big marketing organization, that we're not really putting the resources, the quality of resources that are needed to do that. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's funny. Like, I think you said it perfectly. You know, the brand is pulling back with the authentic, authenticity. And I, I think you just, like, you said it perfectly. And, you know, really what we didn't get into last time on the podcast, and I think what you're saying, like you put it perfectly, is that we're really looking at a management that consists of men that are in their mid-40s, okay? And no offense to Paratici and and obviously Nedved, he's a legend, and Agnelli, our owner, right? But you have a, a group of management that is in their mid-40s, and you don't really, obviously we had the the palace uh, drop which was highly successful but i think that was more of an adidas thing than a juve thing being pushed and i think yes. palace kind of wanted to get involved with that and that's kind of how it happened I, I i don't see kind of a vision of a brand that i think i think a lot of people push the word brand but and i'm not trying to sound like a smart ass but a lot of people don't really know what they mean when they're talking about brand. Like, to say that Juve is going to get into a level of Nike and Adidas is not really <laughs> realistic, I would say. Yeah. I think if they want to hit a good place as a brand name, they have to be doing a lot of the things that the Louis Vuittons are doing the palaces are doing. Uh, I don't know if you know about Supreme, but these guys are all collaborating and they're all dropping certain merch on and they're selling out instantly. Yeah. 
Okay, like yes. sneaker culture and uh, kind of style in today is so important, especially to well, I mean, to everyone. I mean, to the young, to younger kids, to mid twenties, in their twenties, in their thirties. I know people in their forties. So it means so much. Where we're not really hitting on that level, you know. When we do one drop a year, it doesn't really move the needle one way or another. Right. And I, I just find it's the use of brand as an excuse to somehow play to companies uh, that believe they're a friend, that they don't want this image of ultra or they don't want this image of, uh, you know, average Joe's going to the stadium paying 15 euros a ticket and screaming their hearts off for the, the whole game. So I think, like you said, it's a per, it's a perfect, we got to find this balance. And um, I think we've been having a real difficult time of it. As well, in the club, I found that the passion has also dropped. And there was an interesting conversation on Twitter uh, about the 14-15 team that obviously went to the final and um, lost to Barcelona. And... You know, you really look at how they played, right? With such a passion and drive. Like, the game against Real Madrid was just unbelievable. How we knocked mm-hmm. them out. And uh, to go to the final. Like, unbelievable, right? And uh, I just think that even though we've increased the talent of this squad, in all aspects, I would say, I still believe that that team would kick the shit out of the current squad we had, like handily, Mm -hmm. just because of the belief, just because of the passion, the team was united. I don't see that right now. And, you know, I think that that comes down straight from the top. You know, I, I, I seriously believe that, you know, the club has, has taken our position for granted. You know, being so far ahead, and people are like, "No, but other teams were 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 uh, getting record point totals, and and all." I I don't I don't think we even cared about that. Like we were, so, it was in such a robot. It's in such a robotic state that we literally mm-hmm. came back from fifteen points down to win the scudetto. It's it's it, and and then that that turns into, you know, the complacency and then uh, mm-hmm. the players don't take things seriously anymore. And, you know, if we were in the golden era of Serie A, I don't think we win eight Scudetti in a row, you know. And, yeah, uh, that's, that's you know, when you can minute, like, kind of thoughts in my head, you know, when, when a club can minimally change our squad, right, even leaving the massive gaps that we knew we had uh, and that we needed to replace, let's say midfield, add center backs because we're aging and still win. Like your mentality just is like, we are invincible, you know? And then every time the the past couple of years, we would go into Europe and that goes away. And even with Ronaldo, you know, Ronaldo, as, as much as I give him shit, for missing sitters here and there and this and that. I mean, he can only do so much, you know, 
we like to we like to celebrate now these games like Atletico, like comebacks. That's the new thing. We don't sell a, We're not celebrating winning the title. We're celebrating a comeback uh, against the team. <laughs> and you know, we had a lot of advantages in that game. I think a lot of people like to forget being at home, Atletico sitting back the whole game. But it, like I said, that his presence and uh, us being able to be lucky by just putting out mediocre uh, performances only go so far. And I find the reason why there's so much like kind of backlash back and forth on Twitter is because people don't realize how close it could have been for us losing Scudetti if the league was a lot better. Uh, it's... yeah. I agree with that. That's, and uh, and that's where it's like, well, why are you criticizing? We won, and it's like, well, if we're in the Premier League right now, we might we're definitely not sitting in first place, the way we've yep. been playing. Like, and that's kind of the point that I don't think gets across enough, is that we're barely going through the motions. And I mean, again, there's different opinions. People, some people believe that, some people don't. Hey. You can think what, but that's just how I feel. And, um, you know, the club that wanted to be run like a brand and then tried to pull this cult, this authentic culture into it that doesn't align and then goes back and forth when it pleases. And that's kind of how I feel. If you want to be a brand, act like a fucking brand. (laughs) Well, I, I, I I think the thing with brands is that you know, it works the best if there's passion behind it. So, and every step of the way on the field, off the field, fans, everything, there has to be this fat passion, this fire. And I'm not seeing that right now with the team, with the squad. You know, we, a lot of our performances are pedestrian, as you said. And um, even the players we do have right now should be able to do, give much better performances than they do on a regular basis. Sometimes, occasionally, they do give out good performances, but they're, they're kind of few and far between. So, I it's hard to put your finger down on what is missing. Like, do we not have people who are super motivated in the team, in the squad? Is it something Sari's not be able to fire up his, his, um, his squad? Um, is it a system problem? Do we not have the right players for the system? And maybe it's a combination of all of those factors, you know. And like you said, that there's we've had to make sacrifices because we've bought players, we've spent money on Higuain and Ronaldo, and we've spent money on wages for a number of players, um, including free transfers. And as a result, we've had to make sacrifices. We haven't filled up the midfield gap that, that's been there since um, Mar- Marquisio, Pogba, Pirlo, Vidal days. Um, and I think all those factors have played a role in terms of where we are and what we need to do is, in my opinion, to look at things holistically and rather trying to, you know, put band-aids on here and there, like to look at things holistically and figure out, well, what is the next right thing to do? And keep doing that and take it from there, have some kind of uh, a vision 
and um, then follow that. And I think, uh, you know, someone on Twitter said it perfectly. And uh, many fans are at a crossroad with this club. It's harder to follow day-to-day business because it's just far out of tradition. No identity anymore. That's why there are so many problems in the locker room. And I think, you know, that stems as well. And again, no one wants to admit the defeat in the horrible decisions. And then they play the plus Valenza merry-go-round, which get rid of some players that, you know, have our significant impact. And I, I think if they keep it up like this, it's it's essentially, and I know we're going to get into something, you know, the next segment is going to be kind of interesting, but uh, and it'll play on it. But I think in this period, there was a moment where Agnelli took the gamble. Yes. And that was with Ronaldo. He put, he went all in to use a poker saying. <laughs> no, he, he went, did. He definitely did. He went all in, and now the cards lay as they as they are. And, you know, again, I, I, I think there's places where we can improve, but, you know, all of these different things that are changing, right, like coronavirus situations, easing, uh, re- less revenues coming in, that plays a heavy, heavy toll. And then again, it just, it compounds with the errors that you make. Right. So I think, uh, I think there's a lot for you to learn. And uh, I mean, again, the, the, the main thing I think that with all fans are, we just want to win the big trophies and we want to get there in the best way possible. Right. You know, um, I would, if we won this way, I would have no problem. If, if we would won with Ronaldo in our first season, I would have no problem. You know, we want to win the trophies. But when there's glaring errors and you see it and nothing's being done, it just really, it just really frustrates the hell out of me, <laughs> to be honest. Yes, that, that is uh, understandable. That is understandable. But um, I think now we will, uh, I wanted to do something interesting, you know, I, f- I found that every time that I was on a podcast, uh, uh, on another podcast, which I had a great time on, but uh, we didn't really get into full, I would say, not full, but really in-depth looks on certain things. So kind of what I would like to have done is talk about a about the Ronaldo transfer. And I know we're kind of talking about the state of the club and how things are, so I think uh, we should kind of debate on whether it was worth it or not. And I know a lot of people are saying, whoa, calm down. But <laughs> just to yeah. start off, I want to say uh, I think Cristiano Ronaldo is a phenomenal player, once-in-a-generation player. Um, and I think there was a lot of optimism on both camps, ours and obviously the CR7 fans going into the first season. Um Personally, it looked like an uneasy relationship, um, at least to, at the beginning, um, and obviously kind of start of this season. Uh, and it's obviously been debated if the impact has been enough. So uh, ho- hopefully we'll be able to get over the line and win multiple CLs with Ronaldo. I mean, that's my hope. That's every Juve's hope, Juve fan's hope. But I think, um, you know, I do have a differing opinion on how much this deal really has been utilized by Juve. So just hear us out, or hear me out at least. (laughs) 
I think you're more of an even keel. What I really like about you, Farouk, is you're, you seem to be a really even keel guy, whereas you you look at, you're not, you don't waver too much in your, and you're very uh, precise in like what you think, whereas there's a lot of people who like to say they're even keel and then go tell fans off that they don't know anything because they're in the, <laughs> the opposite, the, the opposite uh, opinion of how the club wants to go and whatever decision is in discussion. But uh, just a disclaimer, before I hurt any Ronaldo fans' feelings, please like, subscribe, and follow. Any <laughs> Ronaldo fan that is disheartened by the facts is more than welcome to come on the podcast and have a chat. No questions asked. Just send me a DM on my socials and we will set it up. So just a little disclaimer before we get into this, because I know there's going to be some flack after this, but, um, you know, I think there's a lot of good good CR7 fans out there that, that get the game and are willing to go back and forth. But a lot of the time, the ones that you deal with on social media are just a one-way track. <laughs> and they don't want to hear any of it. So some of the things, you know, to consider... Um, at least in my opinion, uh, the money we put into it, 100 mil, 109 million or just over 100 million euros, uh, which was to be paid over a one-year period, possibly in two installments. Um, you know, you look at last year and the financials were all right, so it's pretty, it's pretty nice to see kind of what went up, how much we were spending, how much more we were spending. And, you know, revenues did go up, you know, 23.1%. But like you said before, costs also went up 19.6%. So, you know, we only really had a differential of a 5% gain, right? And in terms of those two figures. Um, and obviously we finished with a net loss of 39.9 million. I believe we had about 458 million in financial debt or 463 million in financial debt. Obviously that was, uh, there was various reasons why that had happened. Obviously transfer fees and uh, stuff that we had to pay in terms of like admin the rights to different players and obviously the different loans and stuff we had. Um, and this season we could potentially get sanctioned, uh, for we showing what the first half financial showed of a loss of net loss of 50.3 million. That's kind of disheartening for a Juve fan to hear that, right? Because you'd expect all the rosy things, all the numbers being positive and no negatives, right? So kind of what's your take against someone who's saying, you know, maybe the money wasn't really as well as a 31 million annual salary. I mean, those are pretty big numbers. Mm-hmm. What's your take in the contrary? To what yeah, so, yeah, so again, I see both sides of the debate and um, I try to be somewhat impartial, but um, in terms of what I understand about the amortization of the transfer fee, I thought it was done over four years and Okay. But amortization also includes um, the salary. So if you add that up, it's still a pretty significant cost each year, like $60 million per year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, that, it's a significant cost. It's much more, it's much bigger than what you have done 
ever in their Jeez. entire history. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so he literally went all in. I mean, that that is a pretty accurate way of putting it. Um, I tend to see I'm a bit of a romantic at heart, so I see the romance of, you know, having one of the best players in the world come to the club I support. Just, you know, I've been supporting Juve for over 20 years and it just magically happened. So it was kind of had this magical feeling to it. I like and, it. I like it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I saw it from a very romantic perspective, not from, you know, a financial perspective first or from um, like whether or not I like Ronaldo first. I Fair play. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was more focused on, you know, we're getting this, huge player like i could not have dreamed that this would ever happen and it's happening that was kind of the first thing that came to my mind yeah that's that, i have to agree with that when they were bringing all this all the new when all the news came up i'm like there this is just some cruel joke right right this is some cruel joke to uv fans to even yep. get back worse with with not with one not winning <laughs> ucl finals this is the next joke that's uh that's, that's right. coming up but yeah, and then two other points I would make. One is that um, it is possible, like a lot of times when companies try to grow, um, initially costs grow as fast or even faster than revenues. That's right. kind of a documented thing in corporate corporate strategy. Um, and it may be the case that that's what's happening with Juve, but what is a little bit concerning is that, you know, say Ronaldo retires next year, then do we have a plan following that? Like, how are we going to keep growing? You know, because if you say that, oh, yeah, right now costs are growing, but we're not concerned about it, that means that you have a long-term projection that revenue is going to keep growing. Well, is revenue going to keep growing after Ronaldo's gone? I mean, maybe we're going to buy Mbappe or whatever, but... You know, who knows? But uh, in the absence of that, is revenue really going to keep growing? That, and, that and I think that's a that, I think that's a good point to kind of uh, maybe elaborate a little bit more on. Um, that's kind of one of the things that I I kind of was looking at, and like you said, is revenue going to keep growing? And I almost looked and thought, well, was revenue growing enough? Was the brand was the income really bringing in? enough money for this so-called brand that this entity that we're adding to our club right so and if you look at the facts right like this season in particular and i believe even a little bit last potentially last season a little bit uh the stadium was empty right like if you watch the games obviously pre, obviously pre-coronavirus yep and it, it it echoed in the uh, in that half season report, and yeah. ticket sales down about one point seven five million. Obviously, that's not over a full season because we hadn't finished it yet, and obviously things have changed now. But ticket revenue was down, uh, revenue from sales of products down eighteen point nine percent. Obviously, wages have increased this year uh, because of the players we've added twenty one point one percent, and. You know, a lot of people, 
a lot of people like to say Ronaldo's brand is just like gonna bring us to the promised land. You know, like you hear a lot of people hyping it up, like yeah, his brand is gonna bring us to the next level. And I just, I don't see, I see a, a an increase, but I don't see an increase to the level that a lot of people are talking about. And yeah. you look at Adidas, right? And the deal we had, the deal we had before was at twenty three point two five million per season. This was obviously before. Uh, the sales of merch kind of skyrocketed, obviously, as Ronaldo. A lot of people were like, "Yeah, well, we sold a hundred million in jerseys." Well, okay, you could be you could be right. The article could be right, but Juve doesn't get the hundred million in 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 revenue because they have a contract with Adidas and they have to pay for the product and they have to pay for the cost of the product and they obviously they'll get a percentage of that. And that's why in 2018 we saw a bonus of 15 million, and obviously then we had. Uh, a subsequent uh, renewal of a contract, uh, which I believe goes till 26-27, season 26-27. Yeah. Um, and then that brought it up to $51 million a season, right? But when we're looking at a majority of the clubs that, let's say, and even clubs that we think we're bigger than, right? You know, Chelsea, Arsenal, you name it. Chelsea and Arsenal are getting at least 60 million pounds right now. And obviously, okay, a lot of people argue the Premier League because they have the, the the marketing and they have the TV deal, you know, it makes a difference. I totally understand that. I can right. uh, I can take that into account. Man U's making about 75 million. Then you're looking at your Spanish teams. They're all, at least over 100 million euros per season each. So they're, they're, they're skyrocketing, you know. And then you look at the next sponsor, right? Everyone was talking about okay, like another Ronaldo big brand. So how I see it is, yes, okay, we've got M&Ms and Socios and that one energy drink company and so on and so forth, Samsung. But we needed our own Exor's own entity in Jeep through Fiat, Chrysler, uh, to increase that uh, jersey sponsor, right? And... They needed to inject 25 million a season to bring it up to 42 million. Now, someone who's a neutral would say, "Well, if if Ronaldo's this big brand, why aren't you attracting the whoever's the Chevys, the Emirates, the Rakutens, the what's another? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're bringing yeah. significantly more money yeah. to these other clubs. And obviously, you know, you have Barca, you have Real, you have Man U. Those are kind of like." the big, obviously, following as well as financially set up clubs, right? right. So, uh, and then lastly, before, because I, I want to hear your opinion on this, obviously. I don't want to just keep rambling on about numbers. Um, and then you look at the stadium sponsorship deal, and obviously clubs like Real and uh, Barcelona are now talking about uh, bringing in uh, possible sponsorship for their stadiums because... Look, at, they have a lot of financial debt. Apparently, some people were telling me Barcelona has about 600 to 800 million or 900 million in financial debt, which yep. again, Juve has about 300 as well. Don't kid yourself. That's a lot of money too that we are floating on the books. But um, yeah, we only really, everyone was kind of gung ho. Oh, look, Allianz is giving us more money. Well, it really only worked out to 2 million extra a year for the naming rights. And to be honest, I'd rather be called J Stadium than Allianz Stadium personally um and you know i would have liked to have 
seen us kind of get up to that upper echelon, you know, and like you said, in the coming years, if that revenue drops, let's say, and those fans go, which I'm hoping they don't, I'm hoping they stay in our Juve fans. But if that revenue goes, then what happens, right? Then we could be in a world of hurt. So we're hoping to build, like you said, bringing in Mbappe, bringing in uh, some young talent that maybe we don't know of yet. But that's kind of where, I don't know, a lot of people are asking for uh, an extension. Uh, I don't see that being the case for me personally. But anyways, your comment on kind of the financials, the brands, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, so I think there are two factors. So for the first one, let's do a little thought experiment. And let's assume Ronaldo left Real Madrid and started playing for some club in Hungary. Not to pick on Hungary, but just for the sake of argument. Right. <laughs> and let's just imagine what kind of impact he would have there. Probably exactly. pretty small. So I think the problem, one of the problems we were dealing with is that Italy is not England. Italy is not Spain. Spain. You know, we don't have the global branding, marketing, viewership, all that stuff that these other leagues have. And Correct. that kind of restricts the impact that uh, Ronaldo can have on our financials. And that's something that management should have known. And, you know, um, if they didn't, then that's their fault. But um, that's kind of an obvious thing that, right. you know, it, the Italian league does not have the same following and the impact is going to be a little bit muted. It's not going to be a full impact. Um, the next thing that I'm not sure of is whether... I don't, I don't, I just don't know what we've done in terms of our second tier management. Like, do we have people who have the experience to run a modern global brand? Oh yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> you know, do, do we have like an ex Manchester United, like super, like somebody who's, um, a whiz kid or whatever, right. Who yeah. can. Um, do something revolutionary or has done something revolutionary or is like the best in the field? Do we have those kind of people in these positions? We could, we should, but I don't know if we do. And I think it's kind of, I mean, I, I, it's unfortunate to say, obviously, but, you know, you look at our president, right? And, uh, you know, and obviously the president of Fiat Chrysler or Exor, Lapo, uh, not Lapo. Alcon or... Um... John. John Alcon, yeah. So, I mean, La Lapo is not, very cool, by the way. Not, not so, to put any disrespect on their name, but I mean, they kind of walked into an inheritance, <laughs> if you know what I mean. But uh, so it's not like we are looking at the innovators that were Gianni Agnelli or uh, his predecessors, right? It's, it's yeah. not, it's, it's, I mean, obviously they've been taken care of and I think they were under the wing of influential people, but I don't think a brand such as Fiat Chrysler is something that really stands out as something that is uh, not successful, but I, I find that you want to be, yeah, exactly. You want, it's kind of something where it's, it's your Ford, it's your general brand. It's your mm -hmm. nothing creative. It's not your Ferrari. It's not your, you know, 
and like you look at Ferrari and how they have their management and their design team, you know what I mean? So it's, it's very specific. Obviously there's oversight, but you know, I don't think anyone fucks with Ferrari's uh, <laughs> implementation from that sense. They're left to do their own thing. Um, so if we kind of bring it now, obviously we've talked about brands and fina- finances and stuff like that. How do you see him on the pitch? Because I know there's there's varying opinions and uh, certain people like where he is, certain people like the attention he brings, obviously where he fits on the field and how he fits kind of with the group of players we have. So kind of where, where do you see him? Do you like where he's slotted on the field? Um, do you have a problem with some of the things he does on the field? You know, obviously, some people, a lot of people are going to bring up free kicks. But, um, yeah, what do you think about his uh, his what he brings, obviously, at his age now being 35? Yeah, so I think he's he likes to conserve his energy. So you don't always see him charging up and down the field. Um, you see him kind of saving his energy and trying to focus it in important moments or near the end of the half or near the end of the game. Um, that's at least what I've observed and read about a little bit in terms of how he tends to approach his uh, matches. Um, I I think he has scored maybe 41 goals in 52 matches. I'm, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I remember seeing that somewhere recently. Um, which is a decent decent enough record. Um, I think he could probably do more. Um, and I think, you know, in a sense that our team is um, designed to support Ronaldo, but I also don't think we have the right team to support Ronaldo either. So, exactly. um, so there's that. And we don't have the like you were talking earlier, we don't have a team that is really coherent anyway. For sure. We have too many square pegs in, round holes kind of thing going on. (laughs) I have that that written down right here, so you you read my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I, it's hard to kind of blame it on Ronaldo. I mean, I think he's done his job as well as he could for the most part like 50 41 goals in 52 matches or something close to that isn't bad yeah like for goals for goals i can give you a stat so 15 16 season he had 51 goals 16 17 42 17 18 44 18 19 which was his first season with juve he only scored 28 in all competitions but again getting used to a new system i can understand that you know uh the defense, the tactics uh, are a lot more stringent yeah. in Serie A compared to, I think, a lot of other leagues. So it, it kind of yeah. makes sense. He was going on for a pretty good, pretty good pace, 25 goals so far this 1920 uh, season. Uh, yeah. And it seemed like a pretty good pace. So, you know, you could say not as usual, but again, he is getting older. And uh, I think it would right. be foolish to think... Uh, you know, you see a lot. Uh, what I notice a lot, uh, Farouk, is, uh, and I'm going to comment on one thing that you mentioned, which is kind of key. I notice it's the way he, uh, I think he believes 
uh, he needs to be in a spot doesn't necessarily coincide with kind of what we need. And like you said earlier, and as a Juve fan, he conserves his energy. So as a Juve fan, watching players that would kill on the pitch, that would give 190%, to me that was always odd because I'm like, I'm looking at a guy and he's sitting at the half circle and I'm like, we're pinned. <laughs> yeah. We're pinned in our side. And I'm like, why are you not giving 150? It's just something I get. I, I don't know. Personally, as a, like, as, like I said, as, as a longtime UV fan, you watched all these players that are like busting their ass every game, every minute. And it's in terms of a player who's smart enough, that's played long enough in Ronaldo, realizing, hey, I, I might not need to exert as much energy in this moment. And, again, it's kind of just a mind, kind of uh, a mentality thing of something that maybe Juve fans are, are used to or not. Um, I definitely do think, though, I, th- I think just the way he sits in our formation, it just unbalances everything. Mm-hmm. Because he's not given, he's not given, def- uh, du- he's given different duties, obviously, uh, compared to the rest of the squad. And I think when you're not, when you're in a team that needs to be, as compact, as unified, as um, together, as Juve always needs to be, I find. Uh, Ronaldo doesn't really have the stamina to be able to do that anymore. And sure, you could say he's a freak in the gym. I don't kid yourself. He could probably run laps around me. I could tell you that much. But um, And you definitely notice him losing, it a little, losing a little bit of a step. Um, yeah against defenders and I mean that's just natural I know Ronaldo fans want to like try and hide that but I mean the guy's getting older you know Tom Brady's getting older he can't throw the ball as far he can't throw it as accurate I mean he's still the best in the game or he's still at the top but you know you do lose things and people need to understand that you know it's that's natural you know just like Del Piero was losing it in his legs and you know all the greats it happens so I think to me, it's a little bit out of sorts where he was really catered to when he was at Real Madrid. And I think they built it that way. And, you know, when you have a guy that comes in right away, and this is where I believe Juve got it wrong. We bring in a guy like that who we know is going to need a lot of service and we're going to need to have a really great midfield. But like I said, they gambled with... Well, we've had a we've had a really good team, and we've been to the finals, and we almost came back and beat Real Madrid the season before, uh, barring a stupid penalty, right? That that everyone will talk about. But yeah. I think we'll be able to do. We should just be able to slot them in, and it'll work. And I find a lot that's kind of a ass backwards idea because if you look at all the teams that have won. They're carefully constructed in all the positions. You look at the buildup of Real Madrid, all the players they bought at great prices. Like I can say this, I don't know how many times, but they built predictively of what they needed and they brought in the guys that they need and, and essentially built a super team. And then you look at you you look at Klopp. I mean, he really hadn't done anything for about f- the fourth year, which is when they won the Champions League. And that's kind of when it all came together. 
you know, all the pieces yeah. fit. Everybody knew exactly what the hell they were doing. And it almost happened like that with Juve. You know, obviously we played a really great Barca team. We played a, a, a one of the best of Real Madrid teams in the finals too, right? Like we were talking about earlier. Um, but once you go through that and then the kind of the mentality switches, you can't start gambling because you financially put yourself in a horrible position, in a position that maybe you weren't ready to be. I, I think they tried to financially bring ourselves in a spot that wasn't too bad, but was still in a bad position. But if, let's say, we go on to win the Champions League in the first year, we look like geniuses kind of thing. Yep. So, and I think if, let's say, in a year we're playing well and we can capitalize, let's say, like 100 million, yep. just to kind of get to the final end of the, the my point, you know, if in a year we... We're in a good spot. Let's say we could win the Champions League year. That this year that would be awesome, and we could let's say move him to PSG for an Mbappe or a lot of money or some great young players or a lot of money that's going to find us some really good players. And we build through DiBala, who's consistently been the best player this season. Why not make that decision, right? So again, I would love to have seen four years in a row of just dominance. I just don't think we were set up in that way. And that's kind of what's hindered uh, Juve going forward. It's, it, it was too fast, too soon. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so so my thoughts on that are, or those points are um, Ronaldo's position in the squad. So there's obviously... He has sort of a free role, and he doesn't need to defend a whole lot, and which is fine. Like if he is told, or if the agreement is that he's going to save his energy for sprints and for headers and whatever, whatnot, then that's what it is. Um, as long as you know the team is being adjusted for that, and that's part of the reason why I think Matuidi becomes so important in in um, covering his tracks and sometimes Alexandra as well, or both sometimes. Um, but um, I think in terms of um, Ronaldo tends to, the other thing he contributes is his, um, he seems to have this attitude, right? Like he wants to go forward. He wants to push forward. Right. He wants to attack. And we see in many like. cases, yeah, the team is kind of sitting back, right? And Bonucci likes to sit back, for example, like deep. And right. and he's trying to make players go forward and kind of waving them on. And um, that, you'd think, is more in line with what Sarri's trying to do, too. So I think he's trying to do that on the field. And it I don't see the results that often, but he keeps trying. So I, I like that aspect of it. Like, he seems to kind of... You asked, you know, how he's dealing with the players and squad. He seems to have, um, like, I, I kind of like, I like to see him patting everybody on the back and in, when players are coming out of the tunnel, he's chatting to everybody, things like that. Um, I think those are good signs that he's, you know, he's not the captain, but he's a leader in the squad and he has the experience and probably has um, a good amount of respect from his um, teammates. Um, 
And he lifted the ball in a really tough moment, which was nice to see. Yeah, last yeah, year. So, so that was that was great. Uh, the mask, the CU mask, CU thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, I think I don't think we will realistically be able to sell him at this point. He's thirty-five years old, you know, unless he goes to China or something. Um, I don't know if we'll actually sell him. I think. He'll probably end his career at Juve, from what I can see. Unless, yeah. you know, he goes to MLS at the age of 40 or something. But, um, um, so, but, I, but I, I do think that um, we need to cultivate new players. And I'm kind of excited by the idea of uh, Kulusevsky and Benton Kur next season. And um, maybe we get a Tonali or a Dijon or something to add to that. And... Um, that could be a pretty interesting young squad, and um, um, that that could be kind of an exciting prospect for us to look forward to. Um, and Dybala, obviously, I think has um, a lot going for him, and um, he, you know, I think if he wants to be the leader of the team, he could be and should be the leader of the team. So you don't think? So you don't think there's any chance of an extension? Because I know there's a lot of people that have been talking about, yeah, you have to give him an extension. You have to give him an extension. And uh, anecdotally, I think if you take any game that we've won, lost, or drawn, you really can see the difference that Dybala is making. And that's really who we should be building around. So I think I think I agree with you. I think if he plays it right, which I don't know. I mean, I don't know... Uh, in his camp, uh, what they're thinking, but um, yeah, I think I think Juve, if they're smart, either you let him retire. I don't think you can you can sign him to another contract. I think if you do, you're really going to hamper yourself to yeah, I mean, financial you know, ruin. I, I think unless like things are going in that direction, right? Like if they have certain metrics, and those are being met, so financially. We're hitting our goals, um, and Ronaldo seems to be in the kind of shape where he could continue to be on the field um, pretty often past uh, his current. For sure, for sure. And, um, yeah, so I, th- I think I think that was pretty good. That went pretty well. No one's uh, – we didn't get too heated, which I like. Because <laughs> I find that happens too often on Twitter, and there's literally no one you go. Well, I, I think there's very, there's a couple handful of handfuls of people uh, that you can really have a, a a good conversation and not really get your emotions too fired up about it because it's at the end of the day, this is for the club. We want to see it in in the best position possible. And uh, I think it's it's fair to question kind of the decisions that they've made and kind of the direction they've been going in, especially with this move. Um, and like I said, I have nothing but respect for Ronaldo, and I just hope that we can be very successful with Ronaldo. That's that's about it. If it happens that we need to move on and we haven't won anything, then so be it. But I just hope that we can build a foundation to 
significantly improve our chances of getting to Champions League finals and winning Champions League trophies in the future because of this. And, uh, you know, it's still a wait and see, right? It's only been yep. two years. And, um, yeah, so I guess we got to play it by year, see what happens. Who knows if PSG will offer anything or not. And uh, I think uh, that's a good segue to get into, you know, how Juve Twitter has been. And, you know, I kind of had a uh, frank discussion with Al about how I kind of felt at the end of uh, last year and the beginning of this year. Um, I just kind of want to get your opinion on what you, how you take it. I don't know how long you've, uh, obviously we've met on Twitter and then obviously uh, have talked quite a bit on the WhatsApp channels and Discord and whatnot. But uh, how did you get involved with Juve Twitter and kind of compare kind of maybe go through how you feel then kind of some tough spots we've been in and uh and uh obviously to today yeah so i think i've been on Juve twitter probably around the time that um ronaldo news broke and um i started oh, following <laughs> <laughs> you came at the perfect time <laughs> yep I mean, so like I said, I've been a Juve fan for, since um, 99, um, so 21 years by this point, but um, only started following Twitter um, at that point, so just under two years ago. And, um, you know, I saw all sides of it, and that kind of explains the name I chose, Ju- Juventus Armchair Supporters Group. And, um, you know, it kind of struck me that there was just like, I guess like Twitter in general, there's, you know, people kind of hurling all kinds of things at each other and without necessarily sticking to the facts or um, caring about each other's emotions or anything like that. And um, um, I initially started making this as, as, as a little bit of a parody account, but then over time um, it became a little bit more serious. And um, um, but then I got more involved. I, I started to realize that uh, Twitter is one way to have a conversation, but it's um, it can also be pretty toxic. And I started developing communities um, on WhatsApp and uh, Discord, etc., where people could um, really engage with each other on a more regular basis. Um, and Twitter is, you know... I've been, for personal reasons, I've been off Twitter for the most part in the last few months, and um, um, I do miss it to some extent, but it's also... You know what you're getting into. <laughs> I, 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 I know what's going on, you know, it's, it's like following the news, like you don't really need to check the news every single day or every single moment. Do you really want to open that can of worms kind of thing? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, um, so I think it's, um, Twitter in general has that thing, right, where people can hide behind the keyboard and say all kinds of things and act really courageous, whereas in reality they're being cowards and, uh, they're, they're just um, hiding behind the keyboard, literally, and behind the screen. And um, 
I tend to see that behavior a lot on Twitter and uh, turn off and, you know, it, I find my emotions getting affected in a ne- negative way because of stuff like that. And it's not even arguments I'm involved in, it's the argument other people are involved in and, you know, that get heated up. And I just think to myself, like, what are you guys doing? Why do you guys keep doing this to each other? And um, so, yeah, you know, Twitter, yeah, I mean, while it's a great platform for discussion, I think a lot of times it ends up just, you know, when people start to argue, since it's a public platform, people try to, people start to act up and they stick to their guns and you you never you never actually change anybody, anybody's mind. You know, yeah. it's just kind of an exercise in futility. And then I think a lot of like, there's a lot of tribe culture that exists yeah. in terms of uh, certain groups and the minorities of, of certain decisions. And I find like you'll go on and it's essentially just the certain people with certain opinions have it one way and then you'll have everyone else even trying to have a discussion and it automatically turns into a a shit show where you see people liking comments and it's just like okay sure maybe you're a hundred percent right on this but it's like then you really think about it are you just liking it because so-and-so is saying this or are you liking it because you actually believe in what the hell they were actually saying? And, you know, then the context thing, I know me and Al talked about this last time, but, you know, you're, you're never getting perfect context. And that's what I hate about Twitter. Uh, yeah. you, you could think someone someone is uh, slandering you and someone else reads it and they think it was a perfectly normal question. So a lot of the time it's it's just opinion. You don't, and again, it's not like you're face to face like we are and being able to talk something out. So you really you can't you can't fulfill what you want to say in those. The only problem I have and kind of the thing that I wanted to get into this time is, you know, we see a lot of these bigger accounts, right? And they are obviously have been here for I would say the longest, right? Um and do you believe that they have like a real responsibility especially using the uv name in some cases like to not necessarily feed into uh not liking certain opinions and whatnot and just essentially if you're a news channel give the news don't take an opinion on something and then feel bad about it because there are fans that have the opposite opinion. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Yeah, I think it's a tough balance. Um, I think, and I can see um, if I were a major account, then occasionally I may want to comment on something and ha- add my own opinion. But for the most part, I may be reporting the news because that's my bread and butter. But if I were more invested in something, I may give an opinion on that. Um, I think that it's it's hard. It's like it's like you know being a mini celebrity, right? Like when sure. I think when I think about a celebrity and they have paparazzi following them, it's not a thing I can relate to because that doesn't happen to me. But 
I can understand that may be annoying to us, to somebody who's looking for privacy. I think same thing for um, a major Juve account where, you know, if they say something and people come after them, then they may see it as personal attacks, even though they, they realize, they understand that Twitter is that kind of an environment where things can get toxic and people are going to disagree with you. And if you're putting yourself out there, that could happen. So, so I could, I could say myself saying, Hey man, you knew that this was going to happen. So what are you complaining about? Or I could see, yeah, I kind of sympathize with you because nobody should be treated like that. I like, I like, I like, I like, I like your straightforward demeanor both ways. You have it both ways. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's not black or white in this case. It is. <laughs> it's, it's very gray. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that kind of, like, really, not that it annoys me, I just, I always find that, I don't know if it's because of Juve or because of being Italian or whatnot, but I just find that there's a there's a fine line between asking for fan support, you know, asking for people's money to build websites or to help the podcast or to buy merch. And then on multiple occasions, take the piss out of fans, shit on fans because they agree or because they're consistently negative or whatever the case may be. Right. Maybe, I don't know, I like to stick with the minority and, you know, I don't like when people are, you know, taken advantage of or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just kind of, I don't like when people are bullied in a sense, right? So yeah. I, I just find that, you know, it comes to a point where if you're asking for all this support, and, you know, I've talked to multiple people about different things and I'm not going to get into specifics because... You know, I'll wait to have those people on to kind of get into that. Hopefully, I'll be able to get some of these big names that, you know, I've had, I've disagreed with on certain things. But um, I think it just comes down to being humble and accepting the fact that, yeah, you are a platform, but that ego can only go so far. And, determine, and yeah. telling people that I've been a Juve fan for 30 years, so I think I kind of know a lot of things about it, but what the hell do you guys know? I don't think there's any need for that, you know? And yeah. It just, to me, yeah. I, 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 I was watching, and I don't know if you've seen it, Westworld, this, the, this show on HBO. And love it, love it. I love it, right? But I found in the third season it kind of was very straightforward and there was a lot of criticism at the end. And, you know, I found some... I always go on Reddit, right? And I was kind of like... Well, I wanted to see kind of what the reaction was after the season three finale. I'm not going to get into it and spoil it for anyone, but, you know, uh, there was kind of a couple key things that I read. Uh, not, But just kind of things that stuck with me. You know, someone posted, art is not above criticism. Our opinions of a work of art exist regardless of what the artist intended. Your love of the show doesn't not entitle you not to hear criticism of it, much less assert such entitlement over entire subreddit. So that, that profoundly stuck with me, uh, just looking at it in terms of the UVA sphere. And, you know it's also perfectly understandable for people to be pissed off 
after investing so much of their time, love, money, whatever, into, in this case, was a series. And people, some people thought the writing went to shit. So, I mean, uh, and another comment was, you don't have to pretend everything is fairy cakes and rainbows. Go live in a dreamland if you want that. And I think that's, you know, you're going on a social platform and then not expecting that there's going to be a diverse group of opinions and to yeah. somehow try and silence. And as much as, I mean, people are going to say, no, I, I didn't mean on doing that. You know, it's one thing in the, the, the thread, but it's another thing when someone comes in the DMs trying to squash things. So I just find it's like a two would just be you always stop trying to play a certain game and you know if people don't like each other that's fine but i just i i don't think we can really there's a lot of times where the conversation is just it goes the way it goes to a place that it shouldn't go to like consistently either handing in your uv card you're a fan of another team xyz or what i've heard is you're Part of the worst one percent of fans, and then after you call them all for being an asshole, <laughs> the, this, the, the defense mode comes on, and they say, "I think you can get past this part of name calling. You don't need to get angry about feeling different about a topic." And that's what's getting thrown back to me. So that's just some shit right. that I see online, and it's just it's hilarious because you're like, you really tried to flip the script in terms of okay, we're having a decent conversation. <laughs> And you're trying to sling, so, and then you know you're getting these accounts with, with big numbers, and you basically can't even get a full argument, or you can't even get your thoughts in because, it's just literally just smashing likes, and smashing like bullshit statements after it. So I mean, right. Yeah, I think that's partially the nature of Twitter because um, I see the same thing happening with non-UV accounts. You know, like with um, some other accounts of um, other Italian teams that I follow and it things get heated and amplified on Twitter and then that carries to podcast and people say things on podcast that maybe they should not be saying and you know that kind of ha- has its own repercussions and um, what I think another thing that made me interested in was long form and uh, so i started this blog where i invited a bunch of juventini that i knew to write along with me and so you know even though we didn't have a lot of readership but it was a project where we could get our thoughts out and discuss that Im- among ourselves in a way that's different from having a discussion on twitter where you have all this noise and all this you know uh, little bombs being thrown this nonsense yeah so that's another way I try to deal with it, but um, I Twitter I can totally understand why some people give up on it or minimize their uh, participation in on Twitter. Uh, you know, I think it's one of those things where where it's like um, you enter at your own peril. <laughs> yep. No, I, I think it was in such a good place, though. I, I think it was like, especially in the early years of us winning, and it just seemed like a great. Uh, and then it just seems like I don't know. I don't know about you, but like the CNNification of news, <laughs> yeah. the new age yeah. of clicks and 
headlines and you know you even look at what happened with Barzalia he leaves on his personal terms and literally for about three hours that whole day everyone was trying oh these different news outlets and some Juve fan accounts are trying to make a controversy out of it when literally you know the guy just wants to be with his family it's been a tough time with coronavirus and that's all it was so it's and then you know again the the different misreporting on the horrible reporting of, of Davide Astori's unfortunate death. It really just I don't know. I th- I think like you said I think Twitter is is great and it's horrible at the same time. And yes. you really just need to take. And personally, what I've learned is I just need to take time off of it because it literally can just get to your head and. Yeah, make you not want to support a club that you've loved for ninety yeah. percent of your life. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think you know when you enter, or for me when I enter Twitter, um, I have to do it in a place where I feel kind of strong and balanced. Yeah. Because if I'm not that, then it's gonna throw me off. So, yeah, and I, I and I want to briefly just say I know I keep kind of harping on this. It's just that I. I find that, you know, sometimes I don't say it necessarily the right way. I think today it came across kind of how I wanted to to say it. But I think, you know, I just keep noticing these things like on a daily, on a daily. So, um, yeah. but you know what? I think uh, we'll end that kind of, I guess you could say a negative note. And, um, you know, at the end of each podcast, what we kind of do is, uh, what I thought of doing last time was a kind of a show, a story time of kind of when you've gone to the Juventus Stadium. Now you've told me that unfortunately you haven't been to the J Stadium, and I wish you do get to go hopefully very soon. And I think you'll probably you'll have the time of your life when you do go. Um, so I kind of something that I wanted to get into is you know just tell us a little bit you know about the UV scene in San Francisco. Kind of why, because uh, I know you do a lot of the uh, planning for the meetups, right? So you know, just kind of give everyone the, the the information about that and how often you guys usually meet. Obviously, uh, pre coronavirus, but um, and uh, kind of kind of what's your thoughts for the future? And you guys want to become an official fan club and just go from there. Yeah, so we um, work closely with the Juventus Club Silicon Valley, which is um, in South South Bay, San Francisco. And um, um, since they are already a major um, official club, we have um, not made an effort to be another club that competes with that uh, in the vicinity. So what we've done is um, we scheduled our meetups through their meetup, um, uh, meetup account, and um, they already have a bunch of people in their network in San Francisco. And um, so we've kind of piggybacked on that. And I organize the meetups. Uh, we show up to uh, a local pub, which is actually, I think it was on the verge of shutting down for coronavirus. So I'm not sure if it's still going to be there oh, by the time all said and done. Yeah. Um, and uh, we do it for most uh, matches that are at a reasonable hour. Um, on the weekend and sometimes we do the champions league matches on weekdays if we have 
people um, capable of showing up. And um, we've been doing it for since the beginning of last season. Um, it's gone pretty well. It's a small crew, but uh, we're passionate. We get maybe 10 to 15 people for the bigger matches. Um, and so, you know, compared to the clubs in SoCal, for example, it's um, pretty small, but um, it's good to have some other people to watch the matches with. Um, yeah, so that's definitely. Um, but yeah, yeah. No, I think that's great. That's a great initiative. So, do they have their own meetups, or do you guys kind of all meet together with the Silicon Valley? Or is it kind of far? Obviously, I've me and a friend yeah. were uh, were in the Bay Area, and uh, it's quite a drive. I didn't think uh, even where the 49ers play in comparison yep. to where San Francisco is, uh, right. it's quite a drive. So they kind of do their own thing, yeah. but you kind of message. Uh, through uh, through them to get as many people as you can, correct? Yeah, I mean, and we have a little WhatsApp group that we kind of use to coordinate as well. Um, and um, but yeah, they have their own meetup down um, south from where we are, and um, they have a pretty decent attendance there too. There's also a, um, Juventus um, Youth Academy here in the Sydney uh-huh. area. So. Yeah, so there's a good good presence. All right, and just kind of a closing, uh, you know, kind of a uh, closing remark. Um, there was obviously everyone has kind of been hyped on uh, this uh, Last Dance documentary that has been uh, on Netflix and uh, documenting obviously the final season of Michael Jordan's career and uh, kind of discussing the key pieces to their championships and also uh, an in-depth look uh, behind closed doors of what was said and a whole bunch of interviews and stuff like that. So the one kind of thing I ask uh, you, and I know it's we've, we've been going for a pretty good podcast today, but, um, you know, what moment would you like to see to get an in-depth mm-hmm. look interviews from players obviously this would be something that takes place you know in the future but um what would you like to see what kind of moment or moment uh that you'd like to have an in-depth look mirrored in something similar to a last dance documentary so so something that will be done in the future based on something that happened already correct yes exactly yeah i mean i think just in terms of, um, you know, historical relevance from my time as a UV fan, I think Chinke uh, Maju Five May is probably <laughs> going to be the. <laughs> it's probably going to be the. Yeah, that one. would be interesting. That would be interesting. That yeah, would that so. that would definitely be interesting, especially because then it would just be enshrined to haunt Merida fans for time. <laughs> exactly. We would have something permanently talking about it and. Just to make them yep. feel horrible. I like it. I like it. Yeah, no. For me, there'd be a few things, you know. Obviously, if they could do something with the three Champions League finals in a row, obviously winning the first one in 95-96 to then losing the next two and kind of seeing uh, how, you know, you could almost say they choked in a sense. Uh, but you look at the teams that we've lost to and... 
they were very beatable in Real Madrid and uh, Dortmund. So I think that would be very interesting to see. Um, also, I, I, what I really want to see is like the season where Cardiff happened. <laughs> yes. And I wish they had a camera in that locker room and I wish they could just for one episode just play exactly what happened in that. So all Definitely. of our fucking minds could be cleared and we know exactly what happened. And you know what? If it was just that they were exhausted, like Helene says, we're all at peace. <laughs> yeah. I would actually like to read something uh, for you. Okay. Um, this may, you know, given Kilini's comments, I found this interesting because um, after that match, Allegri started, said that um, the team let go psychologically after conceding the second goal. And he said that even if Madrid had a good second half and have excellent players who can change the game at any moment, the second goal knocked the wind out of our sails. They raised the tempo as we were the ones pushing Real Madrid back in the first half. But in the second half, we couldn't play our, our way out of defense and they kept pushing us back. At that moment, we should have taken out the extra energy to push hard and keep the, day, and keep the game open. As we know, Real Madrid leave you the chances to score at all times. But we conceded the third goal and that was really damaging. So there you go. it seems pretty... Kind of accurate to me. I'll never believe it. I'll never believe it. I need to see, I need to physically see it. No, it's uh I mean, you know what? You could be a hundred percent right. It was just we got beat by the by a better team. And I that mean, was just and it. not even to say better, but like I think they were psychologically tougher and more resilient. Maybe. That's true. That's like, you know, because it's one thing to because think about it, right? Like we think that we're winning the Scudetto and we're good and we believe that we're invincible in Italy. But did we ever believe that we're invincible in Europe? And Real Madrid did. Yeah, that is true. See, that's what I like. I think they, they were able to always go in and not say, talk about not winning. And, you know, that's another thing with our management where we would always make an excuse about, oh, well, it's tough to win. Real Madrid doesn't go into finals thinking, well, we might win the final. They go into the final thinking they are going to win the final. And right. I think that's another big mentality, uh, big piece in, in in the mentality of Juve that needs yep. to change. And hopefully, you know, I like it, like everyone says, we only need one. Once you get one, it makes it a hell of a lot easier. Right. Makes it a hell I mean, of a lot at, easier. Look at how, you know, the kind of cred Klopp has now. Before that, exactly. he was this loser dude who couldn't win the Champions exactly. League, right? And uh, now he's like everybody wants him and he's just the superstar manager. Oh, and uh, one thing, last thing that I did forget before we uh, finish up. Um, someone asked a question. And I know you've probably stated it on, uh, and you've kind of, Discussed it in pieces and sections about uh, your Juve fandom. Someone asked how you got involved. Obviously, we've talked about the transfers who we want in and out. But uh, the first part of the question from Mohammed was, how did you become a fan of Juventus? And, um, yeah, could take the reins. Yeah. Um, so, I have an odd story because... Um, 
I grew up in a place where I did not get the Champions League on my TV, um, <laughs> but I used to catch it from across the border, and it was a kind of a blurry signal, but uh, that was the best I had. And I was watching the 99 Champions League, I think it was the semis against uh, Manchester United, and I think Inzaghi maybe scored a double, or at least he scored one, and we were in a pretty good position, and then United came back um, in the second leg, and uh, we ended up getting knocked out. And, you know, I just um, kind of felt bad for the team. I felt kind of this weird attraction toward the team, toward the kit, toward the name. And um, that led led me into starting following them. So then I started following them in the papers. And a little bit later, the Ronaldo R9 came to... Merda, and um, but even though everybody was kind of expecting him to break all the records and everything, you know, it was Del Piero and Inzaghi who were scoring even more, and Juve was still, you know, this um, really strong team, and I liked that because I thought that it's not about star power, just star power, it's about having a strong team that works together. And, I like um, it. Yeah, so those are kind of the influential moments. And then since then, I've been following Juve as much as I can. And whenever I had, I have been able to watch it on TV, I did that. And then they got you hooked and depressed. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like all of us, all of us fools. But yeah, I know, I guess for me quickly, I know I've talked about it obviously on Al's podcast, but it was more of just a... Uh, uh, being familiar, being pastures, he's obviously having uncles who played soccer or calcio. Um, and obviously, there's a team, Juventus. One of my uncles played for a team called Juventus Calgary. Obviously, a bunch of Italians set it up. And uh, yeah, I just kind of, I guess you could say, being brainwashed, getting Del Piero jerseys, the kind of uh, knockoff ones that uh, are at the flea markets. Um, and, you know, being. Uh, kind of going through ups and downs of not being able to get coverage, having the rights, certain channels having the rights and not, and then obviously up until now, you know, from, uh, I would say, the uh, late 90s up until uh, obviously today, I've really been a fan, sucked through all the, all some of the bad times that we've had, but, um, you know, it's nice to have a community that we do, and again, not necessarily just about the trophies and winning it's more about a passion and uh, camaraderie and being able to meet fans and you know when you go there i hope you do get to meet up with maurizio and meet all the uv fans that are there because it is it is a pretty special moment and uh, i still talk to a lot of the people that i met on that first trip that uh, i talked about uh, last time so i hopefully uh, will be able to go back soon and uh yeah, man, it's it's been a hell of a ride so far, and hopefully we can get some silverware this uh, this year. But uh, is there uh, anything else you'd like to talk about, Farouk? Um, no, I think just to say that um, you know we've talked about a lot of um, issues, but also at the same time, just to think that where we've come since 2006. I mean, that was the real, you know, the biggest depressing moment sure. of all, and to come out of that to where we are today, that's. Um, pretty big achievement and um you know i'm excited about the future 
Yeah, no, me too. And, uh, you know, I, I'm really actually, I'm, I was really excited to hear that we're getting back to playing the season because it's been really dull. Um, hockey's obviously been, the NHL's obviously been announced and hopefully I'm assuming NBA is going to get in there. But, you know, uh, being able to see Juve again, even without fans, is going to be uh, a lot to cheer about. And I think a lot of people are going to be, they're going to feel a lot better than uh, kind of the dull months that we've had. That have just passed so now we can see the uh the the end of the rainbow and uh hopefully that's topped off with us with uh with a tripletta and uh anyways so uh i think for the most part i'm going to put the the details of the whatsapp group like i said if anyone hasn't been uh, uh invited or not please dm me or farouk um obviously his uh socials are at forza pimonte on Twitter and uh, for me channels to reach me obviously my personal account at Daniel Negro on Twitter and Instagram and uh, as well my main podcast channel now Juventini at Juventinita D-A-L which were my initials if anyone's wondering why that was the choice someone for someone for has that name um, on Twitter and Instagram so uh, hopefully I'm going to be able to post this tonight on YouTube as well as SoundCloud now and um yeah stay tuned for itunes spotify and google podcast and obviously uh stay posted to uh twitter for any uh any additional content that uh i'm thinking of making and there's a lot there's been a lot of talk on uh some different ideas that we're throwing around so at the end of the day it was uh thanks again farouk for coming on i really appreciate it you've really supported and me and been a, uh, someone that I've enjoyed talking to on uh, all these different social platforms. But uh, I appreciate you coming on. Fina, fine, Forza Juve. Yeah, that's the wrap, guys. Fina, fine, Forza Juventus. Ciao.